0: Whether you're the storyteller or the listener, stories teach, inspire, heal, and connect. Welcome to Journeys of Motherhood, where everyday mums share their extraordinarily ordinary stories. Hello everyone and welcome to the Journey of Motherhood podcast. I'm Kirsten Bowes and I'm a clinical and perinatal psychologist and I hang out in Perth, but I'm finding myself hanging out more and more in the lovely cities of Sydney and Melbourne uh, because I've actually brought my retreats to both those cities and certainly will be doing that again this year in 2018. Um, Now, for those of you who don't know much about me, I spend a lot of my time being a mum, talking with mums who are my friends, and also working with mums in my professional capacity as a psych. And for me, it's really what floats my boat. I just find that I love being with mums and helping them use those challenges that motherhood endlessly brings (laughs) as opportunities for personal growth. And there's nothing that I find, you know, kind of more exciting and more rewarding than I guess helping a mum see the things that are bringing her to her knees, the things that are driving her insane, the things that she feels at times suffocated and overwhelmed by and seeing how much information is in that experience to help her take a step towards being the woman she wants to be. Um, and the mum she wants to be uh, because typically we look at these things as uh, or we get stuck in these things and stifled by these things and very very uh, at times brought down and we're very critical And so for me, if we can flip it and we can see these as ways to learn about ourselves and ways to, um, I guess, become our best selves, then that's really what I love doing and that's totally what The Conscious Mother is about and entirely, entirely about what happens on retreat. Um, But with this podcast, The Journey of Motherhood, you know, because I get the privilege of sitting with so many mums, I hear so many amazing stories and I have this phrase and I think it sums it up perfectly that I get to meet these most extraordinarily ordinary women <laughs> and we get to hear lots of stories about famous people and their journey in motherhood. And for me, I really wanted to provide a platform for everyday women to share what are amazing stories and the gifts that they can give by sharing their story and the healing that often can occur when they also share their story um, as well. And so this is how the journey of motherhood came about. And I am super, super stoked today to have the most divine Lizzie from Two Minute Moves, joining us now if you haven't heard of lizzie i think you're probably living under a rock or maybe you are just in the thick of motherhood with sleep deprived (laughs) nights and crazy mornings and afternoons because lizzie is just everywhere and that is because not only does she have an amazing story of the challenges that she experienced in motherhood and how she's overcome them but because she's simply sharing this message and this wisdom she's gained everywhere that I look, uh, she's so generous with her own own personal story and also, as I said, with the things that she's learned that have really helped her get to the place where she is today. So thank you so much, Lizzie, for joining us. I'm really excited to to hear more from you today.
1: Oh, so am I. So good to be here.
0: Yeah, this this lady's like the Energizer Bunny. Seriously, I want some of what, <laughs> what she's got. So Lizzie um, has two beautiful girls, and seriously, the names are very, very—I find particularly beautiful. She has eleven-year-old Stella and nine-year-old Ruby. So, Lizzie, you are well into motherhood now. You've been doing this gig for eleven years, clearly. Um, And just tell us, just a snippet more about, um, you know, yourself and your family.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm in this awesome little pocket of motherhood, actually. For the last few years, I've been like, can I press pause on this one? It's not the toddler, it's not the teenager. It's like, let's just pause this and bottle this. And yeah, there's just something about this age that I am totally loving. I think it's the connection that i have with my daughters i think it's um you know everything i've been through what i've learnt and what i've come to know as important and not important just as now sort of just sitting in that and really loving motherhood more than i um, ever have and we live in the northern beaches in sydney uh, or otherwise known as paradise (laughs) And, and uh and yeah so um so we live here it's really great the girls go to school up the road so we can all walk there every morning and afternoon and um and and yeah, I I think anyone who is in that phase, that stage of of little kids and thinking there's no light at the end of the tunnel and it's all really hard, um, just just know that there there is a little bit of light. I, I certainly couldn't see it when I had the baby and toddler myself, but yeah, I'm I'm totally loving where I am.
0: It's funny you say that because. Um, it is so, so true. And to be honest, I think it's one of the things that helps me do the work that I do is because I'm still in, immersed in mothering, but I'm far enough along that it's given me some perspective. Um, and I can I can say with that absolute honesty, like you, I can hear it in your voice too, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, those really challenging years simply don't last forever. Um And while I hope mums enjoy as much as possible each stage of their child's development, if you are finding a particular stage really tricky, rest assured you'll move through that and then you'll be faced maybe and most likely with a stage that is more comfortable for you. So that's clearly where you're at. You're in your um, genius zone of mothering (laughs) with girls being the ages that they are. Um, but I know that it actually hasn't or wasn't always that way for you, that you didn't kind of glow with God, I love motherhood um, at some point in your journey. And I'm wondering if you would just maybe share a little bit about that and, and you know, with our listeners.
1: I thought that I was gonna love every single moment of motherhood. Okay. I couldn't wait to be a mum. I thought I was just going to be this amazing earth mother who just remained calm at all costs and was just sort just pictured myself floating around my kitchen with sort of children at my feet as I was you know baking all these muffins. <laughs> that
0: was my fantasy too. That you—that was seriously what I thought as well. Not that yes.
1: Well, I was OK with one. Okay. And then when I had two children, I couldn't believe the emotions that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. This anger that was coming up inside of me was like nothing I had ever experienced. This darkness mm-hmm. that I had. Mm-hmm. I was so, so dark that my mantra in my head was, "I'm going to kill myself." I'm going wow. to kill myself. That was the thing that I kept on going back to. And this from someone who I would consider myself an incredibly positive person, someone who could lift myself up out of situations, see the good in things, remind myself that, um, of all that I had and could be grateful for, but none of that was was working, and in fact, I think it was working against me because I felt so much shame that I wasn't coping as a mum, yes. that I felt I was failing as a mum, that how dare I, with all that I had, uh, healthy children, mm. big one, um, a husband, a family that was supporting me uh, emotionally, uh, a house to live in, food to eat, how dare I not be coping and feel like, I was so stuck and unable to enjoy myself and so overwhelmed and not be able to talk myself out of this you know this way that I was feeling and because of that and because of all the shame and because of how mortified I felt at my behavior of I was constantly like punching my brick walls. I was holding my little Ruby in my arms upstairs, and out, you know, looking out the window and picturing throwing her out the window. I was had seeing it, my toddler Stella with like looking at me with terror in my eyes as I was throwing things and picking her up and screaming that I couldn't take this anymore and i told absolutely nobody about any of this i it just felt like way too much of a of a failure to me to admit that i wasn't coping because when i looked around everyone else was coping everyone else was loving motherhood uh that's all that i saw
0: wow I am, I mean, I've, I've heard your story and I've read your story because I've seen interviews and we've met and, you know, and I've got your book, um, which is just fabulous. But I guess to hear you say such raw, you know, I mean, you just really, I, I could picture all of those things that you're talking about. I really, um, had the sense of just how desperate you were and how burdened you were and how much shame you carried. And, you know, I am so grateful that you're putting that experience out there because I hear it time and time and time again in the privacy and the confidentiality of the therapy room. And it's said, with it's it's a whisper. Women kind of, you know, they, they almost have to spit it out it's so hard for them to admit how low they are. And, you know, I mean, I have been known to say, I get it. I remember wanting to throw my kid out of the cot as well because they just wouldn't sleep. And and that feeling of powerlessness, helplessness, rage and shame, like that's a really shitty concoction of feelings and to hear someone you know openly acknowledge that which is this big taboo motherhood mothers should not get angry this is the whole kind of bullshit message that we get that we don't have these dark feelings um to hear you share that is just so so important um yeah so important so you know thank you for being honest um about that and i'm I mean, for me, what I really am curious about is how, how did you move through that? How You said nobody knew. You didn't tell anyone what was going on for you. So you must have been just so much suffering. Um, how, what was the next thing for you? How did that change for you?
1: It was some words that my husband, Felix, actually said to me because I think you can hide it from everybody but to hide it from someone who is living with you full time, your partner, is, is quite hard. And even though I completely retreated from him and put up kind of this armour because I, I didn't want to talk to him about it, I didn't want him to see me as a failure, he could see. And yeah. I'm sure he was looking at this woman in front of him thinking who what has happened who is this woman where is this um capable positive joyful woman gone
0: yeah
1: and so he actually said to me one day it was a day and I was just sort of sitting there and you know halfway up my stairwell on these you know crazy 70s carpet stairs and I was sitting there sort of in the corner back against the wall and and he came up the stairs and he grabbed my hand and he, he pulled me up and he said, you know that you falling apart means that this whole family is falling apart. And he didn't say it in a nasty way. It was kind of, I think he was quite desperate and the family, everything was falling apart. Yeah. And he said, will you please, please go and get some help? Yeah. And that's when I went, okay, fine. I. I will go and and get some help because I think it was the words of the family. Yeah. And getting it out of just me into a bit of of a, like, um, sort of a shock, just thinking, oh, yeah, this is actually having a real impact on everyone, and I am missing out on this time that I'm never going to have back. And so I did. So I called my doctor and. Oh, man, I felt like such a failure for doing that. And when I went and saw her, I really expected, and she's an amazing doctor, wonderful woman. I totally expected her to say, oh, come on, get over it. You know, look at everything that you've got. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're fine, you're fine, get over it. And, um, uh, and so I was really scared, actually, she was going to mm-hmm. tell me that. Uh, but that's certainly not what she told me at all. And I didn't even, you know, it's interesting you talk about how um, the people, the women that you see, how they have to even spit it out. I didn't even tell her about my suicidal thoughts. That was, I was way too ashamed of those. Yeah. It took me a long, long, long time to tell anybody that. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. And so seeing her was a a massive shift because she, she took what I was feeling incredibly seriously Mm. and she gave me my treatment options. Mm. But I think the biggest thing that she um, said to me was the oxygen mask analogy. You know, when you get on a plane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before assisting others. That's what you have to do. And I was so shocked at that because I thought to be a good mother, to be my idea of a perfect mother, Mm. meant that you're supposed to give everything to everyone else and it wasn't about you at all. Being a good mother meant being a selfless mother and now I am so used to putting my oxygen mask on I look back at that time and think whoa I can't believe that I really was doing nothing to give back to me
0: Mm. yeah and I think again this is just the the crazy um ideas that we develop over time Uh, about what it is to be a good mum, a great mum, the perfect mum is this notion of sacrifice. And I often talk about how, you know, we cook this beautiful apple pie or something and we decide that we can only have a piece if something's left over. If, if people have chosen to leave a piece for us, that's when we get a piece of this apple pie and how wrong that is and how the reality is that we just, we can cut it into fours, we can cut it into eights, we can cut it into however many pieces that we want <laughs> and it's much better for us to take our piece and then share everything that's left because then we all get to enjoy it together um and it's it's a real challenge for women to allow to give themselves permission to take that approach to life a lot of women will know the plane analogy and the oxygen mask analogy a lot of women have said to me I've even said that to my friend but I just can't do it myself I just can't because it's so I think they're so frightened of someone then turning around and saying to them, you are so selfish, you know, you should be putting your children first. Um, We can be each other's worst enemies and we can certainly be our own worst enemies um, as well. So you had this epiphany, your husband spoke to you, um and that kind of mobilized you to go and talk to your gp and and i'm so glad your gp was responsive most of them are brilliant um at times i have had mums come and say to me yeah my gp just said it was because i was super tired (laughs) which i know we are in those stages but yes i've heard a lot of
1: women say that to me as well so yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah and I think um you know it, it's it's easy to kind of buy into that as well, oh okay, it'll all be okay once I get start getting sleep. The reality is if we 're talking depression or anxiety, sleep is certainly um, helpful uh, it helps us overcome those things, but it 's not the solution to those particular problems. So you mentioned that um, your GP gave you your treatment options. So for you, what, what, did, what did that conversation um, sound like? What happened then for you and how did you make your decision as to how you were going to move forward?
1: Well, she said you've got postnatal depression Okay. and I actually hadn't heard of that before. Really? Um, yeah. uh uh-uh. Wow. I'd heard of, obviously heard of obviously, but I had heard of depression yep. and I had um people in my life with depression um but this whole idea of postnatal depression mm. i don't know i yeah. yeah I was like what what and um I was really shocked that that's what I had mm. um that I had something that could be could be named mm. um and so she gave me a prescription for antidepressants, yes, and she um and then, yeah, she said also to, you know, to make sure that I, um, go and see a, a counsellor of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I find it, um, I find it tricky to talk about, um, I think the whole, my decision around the, the antidepressants because everyone is so different with what they, they need. Mm. Um, and so I, I didn't then and I still don't have any, Form of, um, of judgment, I suppose, on the antidepressants. Mm. Uh, but I think for me, what happened was seeing that prescription and putting it down on my bedside table when I got home and sitting on my bed and looking at it somehow jolted me into this little bit of, of action. Yep. You know, I went, okay, you need to do something. You can do something, you can do one thing every day. Instead of these antidepressants, try that, Mm. you know, and see, see what happens. Try that first before you go up to the chemist and put in that prescription. It's always there. You can always take it. That's totally fine. But, um, but yeah, it just made me go, okay, what, what can I do? What can be my, my little thing? And this was such a big, in a way, a little jolt, but a big jolt for me because I had felt so stuck in this downward spiral. Mm. And that's when I, I thought, okay, well, I can exercise. Yep. And, you know, I used to be a dancer. Uh, exercise movement was, you know, so a part of my life and I had totally stopped doing it because as a as a mum, it all just felt way too hard, you know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just walk out the door whenever I felt like it and do mm-hmm. a big class and I was kind of too tired and, and yep. it was the last thing I felt like doing. Um, but that was the, the moment that I, I made the decision that, There was too much at stake for me not to at least try something. And Mm. so what I decided to try was exercise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting. And I'm so glad you're talking about the decision around medication and exercise because You know, you're absolutely right. Everyone has to make the decision based on their situation and the advice they're being given. And that combination of those two things is a very unique end result. Um, But the one thing we do actually know is that exercise is as effective at lifting people's mood when you're talking your mild to moderate depression, um, that as effective as medication. And so, for me, as a psychologist, when I'm working with mums and, and they're not perhaps on medication yet, but they're very, very depressed, um, I guess the the conversation I have with them is firstly about the, the level of depression they're experiencing, because there's certainly a point where their depression is so strong, so severe. Um, anything from the moderate to, to severe to the severe range, we really do need to look at medication. Um, not in isolation by any means, but medication is an important step. And, and if the other thing to keep in mind is the medication can take a number of weeks to be effective. So what we don't want is to delay that decision until somebody really is absolutely you know, in the depths of despair um, and in crisis because it takes a while for that medication to be effective. So we do have to kind of hedge our bets a bit. But certainly if I'm working with a mum who's at the mild to moderate um, or the moderate range, I'm definitely talking to them about the option of exercise. Um, And it becomes... I think just on a practical level, what's most doable for them? And for some mums, even if they're at that lower range, the most doable thing at this point in time for them is to take the medication. For other mums, exercise is something that's perhaps always been a part of their life and therefore it's just trying to help reintroduce it into their new lifestyle as a mum. But either way, you know, exercise is, and I'm not by any means an exercise queen. So I know you are. Um, I'm not. My exercise is walking four mornings a week, 6Ks each time. Um, I would love, I have these fantasies of being this, you know, exercise person, but it's just not who I am. Um, And I think the other thing, um, you know, so that's what I talk about with mums is, is how useful and evidence-based an intervention exercise is for lifting mood. Um, the other thing I talk with them about as well is, and I think this really is going to feed you, you know, start the conversation around your two minute moves is I, the amount of times I encounter people in general, but particularly mums, and I include myself in this. That they're so dismissive of doing anything. If I can't do a 30 minute run, if I can't do even a 20 minute walk, then there's no point doing anything at all. There's very much this all or nothing where there's a benchmark, and if I can't meet that benchmark, well, stuff it. I'm not going to do anything because it's not going to be beneficial. And I guess for me, coming from the psych perspective, that um, And I have I have joggers in my office because if I've got a really, really depressed person, I will try and get them out of the therapy room for a walk and talk session um, if the weather holds up uh, because it is so important to move. It is so effective. Um, and so for me, the advice I give is, for God's sakes, just walk down the street and back. Like just start there. It, it can be the smallest activity and that's not even a minutes walk or two minutes walk. Um, just start somewhere because it does actually have that snowball effect. And I suspect, my hunch is, that's part of where your two-minute moves has come from, yeah?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about, from your perspective, exercise and mental health and how much it helps you because I've found that so much in myself And in so many people I talk to, but what is so fascinating is that it is one of the best things we can do for ourselves when we're in that place. But yet it is one of the hardest things to get ourselves to do when we're Mm -hmm. in that place. And that was totally me when I was in that place. And even when I made that decision, right, I'm going to exercise. It really was the last thing that I felt like doing. And Mm -hmm. so when I went and two-minute moves was born totally out of accident. I, I didn't, um, you know, go, um, you know, down to my kitchen bench and go, right, let's do a two-minute move. <laughs> it was more, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a home workout. Uh, I put on a TV show for my daughters and I just went to my kitchen bench and because I used to be a dancer, I spent a long, long time of my life on a ballet bar. Yeah, And so I, I just thought, okay, kitchen bench, Ballet bar, go do some moves. Do your do your twenty thirty minute home workout. Let's do it. And it, I did a few moves, and they they did feel pretty good actually. I ended up just doing a few push ups at my kitchen bench, and you know some plies, which are leg bands. And mm. um, but I, it was only literally two minutes until one of my daughters screamed <laughs> out to me, that, you know, one of them had bit, bitten the other one, and. I was just about to go, God, no, like, that was was my home workout. This was going to be my thing until I stopped for a moment and thought, you know what, that actually felt like I had achieved something in that little (laughs) moment. I was like, whoa, I had done something for me and all those nights that, I, you know, go to bed and just think about what I've done in the day and just sort of, you know, think, oh, God, I haven't done anything. I could go to bed that night and think, oh, I, I did that little tiny workout at my kitchen bench. I did 20 push-ups for me today. And I think that feeling of um, of achievement, that feeling, that, that little bit of strength that I felt both in my body but also the fact that I'd done something for myself, that's what brought me back. Mm. to do that the next day and then the next and the next. And what that did was completely change my all or nothing mindset, which I was totally stuck in. And I think it blows some people's minds when they start um, thinking about exercise. You know, I certainly pass so many people on the street, like, oh, we want to exercise, but we just don't have the time. I'm like, well, have you got a couple of minutes? And they're like, well, yes. I'm like, do that. But doesn't exercise have to be this this hour? Doesn't it have to transform or, you know, go towards a body transformation and towards, you know, toning your triceps? Doesn't it have to be this certain level of intensity? Doesn't it have to be, you know, really worthwhile to do it? I'm like, no, because this few minutes is so much better than the no minutes because it propels you into doing more it's kind of like it's the little that little thing that you do that little action is the thing that precedes the motivation and then maybe if you do do a little something maybe then you will get out and do your yoga class you know you're much more likely to do something like that but um, but yeah I have had such a mindset shift when it comes to exercise both what it has to be and also what it has to do and that idea of breaking through all those rules that I see that I had and that we, so many of us have around what exercise has to be and do and that really holds us back from taking any, any action. And I love just to encourage people to, to be that exercise rule breaker and um, yeah. and know that exercise doesn't have to be like, I don't know, this chore or this, this thing on your to-do list. Mm. It can actually be something that you do throughout your day that um, makes you more Uh, joyful makes you more productive makes you more energized and really that doesn't take very long those little Mm -hmm. moments to achieve those type of results
0: no, and I think that's the thing that surprises most people as well is that you can just these little chunks of time where you're, as you said, you know, you felt like you'd achieve something. So not only are you doing it and get the benefit of the doing, but you then also can pat yourself on the back and say, look what I did, which is hugely important because so much of motherhood as you've been saying, you know, is about giving so much to other people um and our kids in particular and the fact that we can do something for ourselves in this these small little pockets of time we do have a sense of a win because you know it is so difficult to find that time for ourselves i think i have this concept um that i talk about with a lot of my clients called the smidge (laughs) and the smidge is you've just got to kind of you know do make change in smidges basically and if you think that you've got to go all out, whether it's that's it, it's only worthwhile if it's four times a week for X amount of uh, half hour, an hour, and it's got to be this type of exercise, just as much as um, I might say to people and talk to them about mindfulness, and then they come up with this rule that it's a waste of time if I don't have 20 minutes to sit and meditate every morning, um, you know, it just stops us. Whereas if we just look at, creating these opportunities and making these changes in little smidges, then we it becomes manageable and it does actually have that smoke snowball effect. Um, and I think, you know, this is why I love your message so, so much because I think there's no time in our lives where it's harder to look after ourselves than in the trenches of particularly early motherhood. Um, and, um, you know, I think if we can really break down that concept that it's got to look a certain way, it's got to be a certain type of exercise for a certain amount of time, a certain frequency during the week, um, the better off we'll be because, you know, as you know, you're, you're in this industry. So I'm sure you see all the bombardment of messages that we get. There's a new study that says you've got to, you know, have this intensity of exercise for this amount of time for the best fat burning kind of results um, and completely confusing us all. You know, the lay person who's not um, across the diversity of that information just hears that one piece and is like, oh, I can't do that, so why bother? So, your two minute moves is such a great concept. Um, and I'm wondering if you can maybe share a little bit more about I guess that journey you had for yourself so we got the starting point where you do it you were doing some push-ups and some plies and you know one daughter bit the other and (laughs) you learned that that's during (laughs) the amount of you had these small pockets of time so where did you go from there how did life unfold for you when you had that realization
1: I made it a bit of a routine Mm -hmm. so when they were watching a show i would come and do my little workout at my kitchen bench and you know and sometimes that went longer for two minutes and and sometimes it was just just the two minutes i mean there's only so long you can get with a tv show with kids that little sometimes you know mine were never very good in front of the tv um so that became my little ritual so every day that was it I would make sure that I did that, you know, just that even that two minutes at my yeah. kitchen bench. And then what happened was because I think my body was moving again for me and getting that bit stronger. When I would do things like hang out the washing, I just kind of my body wanted to move more, and so I was like, okay, right. Well, in between, you know. As I grab a piece of clothing, I'm going to squat as I as I do that, um, and I started finding these other little moments throughout my day that I could could move more. You know, yeah. I had a, a little, um, you know, baby. So when I was, you know, lying down on the floor with her, I'd lift my one of my legs up and down to the side. Mm. There was this crazy thing that happened. Because I was starting to move, I became more connected to my body. In a way, I started to reclaim my mm. body, as something that was mine yeah. and so my body started going, give me more, like move <laughs> me more, get get me stronger. Like i I liking this this feeling and I'm, I'm liking how you're just kind of giving this to me in pockets throughout my day and that's really what it was. Like I, so if I was, you know, stirring some, you know, pureed stuff on the stove or whatever, like I would do some, some heel raises and I'd still do this, you know, um, mm. uh, nine years later. Always my little habits, something in the blender, heel raises, push-ups at my kitchen bench. When I'm brushing my teeth, I just, you know, love to put my legs out wide and do some wide squats, you know, crashed out on the couch, um, lying back to sort of lift up my legs and do some leg cycles. I mean, my girls are always, oh, mum's two-minute moving. Let's do some <laughs> two-minute moves. I always, you know, when I go, um, you know, shopping uh, something, like they just know. We just park. Um, further away and they're like, I guess, and then we just walk to the shop and they're like, we're two-minute moving. It's just taking yeah. those little two-minute moments to to get a little mm. bit more well mm. active. And the other big thing I think that did was because it built my sense of self-worth, because I was giving back to myself, I was telling myself, you know what, you are um, an important part of the equation here. Um, I then, I guess, felt that little bit more, Confident because I was getting stronger as well in my body, and I think there's a real mind-body connection with with strength and with confidence, the way you hold your body. And that's when I started talking to some friends about how I was feeling, and I did finally go and um, you know and not lie on the um, you know the tests that you do to um, to get referrals to counsellor i um, you know I really admitted what was going on, so I went yeah. and and, um, and got some professional help and talked to someone and admitted to them, which was just so 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 hard but i 'm yeah. so glad I did it yeah. and I also realized that um, because of all these really strong emotions I was feeling how I really connected that to being able to exercise and move my body and the impact that had on you know when I was you know feeling really really pissed off like rather than screaming at my kids or throwing something as I I used to do like I started just doing things like doing like a shadow box like punching my fist Mm -hmm. out the front or doing a run on the spot or something like that so it also actually became my way of coping if I was Mm -hmm. feeling really stressed out I do like a few simple like roll down towards my toes, you know rolling down and then mm-hmm. rolling back up and and things like that it just um, It just became this coping tool for me in the moments, and also I think it just built up that that bank of um, you know of, of, you know of giving of that coming back from that downward spiral and going on that upward spiral yeah. and just kept sort of taking me up up up, up. Yeah. Um, and then when I started to go down, 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 as I still do, yeah. um, I knew the things that I had to do a few weeks ago, I was having a really, really low week and every night I just made sure that I did 20 push push-ups at my kitchen bench before I went to bed. And there was just something about that feeling that just that little bit of strength and empowerment, um, of pushing yourself up off the bench. Um, that just made me go, okay, there's, I'm doing something. There's, there's my little action. It's going to yeah. be okay.
0: It's really interesting you say that because as someone who had um, has had anxiety on and off through my life, I'm very accepting that it will kind of come up for me again. I'm not sure when but, you know, it, it, I'm 43 on Friday actually um, and I know that um, it will come up numerous times in my life but because I know how to uh, manage it, Um, and how to kind of live with it and ride it out in in the most effective way possible. It doesn't freak me out anymore. So I've got a real sense of what I would call competency like around it. And it sounds like that's the same for you in the sense of you've found a number of things that work for you. And because you know that they've, they've worked, you've done it before, it actually increases your confidence about how you manage your mood. Um, and that in itself is a really big factor in being able to go through those down patches more quickly too, is knowing that you've got some power over how you experience it and how you overcome it.
1: Yes, definitely, and also that awareness of when it's kind of the last thing you feel like doing, yeah. that's when I certainly know, yeah. all yeah. right, that is my signal to myself That this is when I actually need to do it the most. That's totally fine. You don't have to feel like doing it, but that's, that's your signal. And this is something that you really, really, really need to do more than Mm. ever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting
0: that you said, you know, you don't have, you don't feel like it because I guess if there's one thing I know for myself and I certainly say to um, my clients is if you wait to feel like doing something, you'll be waiting forever. Um, And so that's not your guide. Your guide isn't, I feel like doing it, therefore I do it, or I don't feel like doing it, therefore I don't do it. Your guide is, I don't feel like doing it. And as you've said, that's exactly the time when you do do it. Um, So you use it in that way um, to, you know, take the action that you need to take. But I guess, you know, with all of this learning, um, personal learning as well as all your knowledge having been a dancer and having been in the fitness industry for you know such a long time you then decided that you were able you know you wanted to share this information with mums out there in the world and so you've written the book Two Minute Moves it's pretty cool. I've had a look at it. I've had a good read. I'm working my way through it. <laughs> Funnily enough, I go straight to the recipes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say straight to the wine bottle workout. <laughs> no, 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 no. The recipes. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book.
1: I wrote this book because I was hearing from so many women who were really struggling to exercise. They just thought it wasn't possible. And also I wrote it because when I started sharing my story, I realised that that had such a powerful impact on helping others. I yes. couldn't believe it. Yes. And this, it happened actually when I I first shared my story when I made a decision to forgive myself. From that time when the girls were little and I really just felt like I had stuffed it up and missed it and it had such long term impact on you know, on the girls and everything, and and just one day I was jogging along and I just stopped all of a sudden and went, It is time to forgive yourself. Yeah. And that's what I decided to do. And the forgiveness part was very much tied into the sharing of the story and to take away not only my shame but other people's shame. Yeah, And I decided that I wanted a book that when I was, you know, there at rock bottom or those times in my life when I just thought, you know, giving back to myself, doing anything for myself is just way too hard, that I could walk into a bookstore and go, oh, what's this thing, Two Minute Moves, and open it up and think, oh, wow, like, that- there, Here are a whole lot of things that are so achievable for me and that was just kind of full of hope and full of a whole change of mindset when it comes to, to exercise and to self-care and even to motherhood. And so every morning at 5 a.m. I would get up and I would write for an hour and I'd write as I went out walking because I thought if I was home one of the kids would wake up. And so I voice memoed this whole book. Uh, for an hour every morning at five a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like such a perfect example of just those little things adding up yeah. to making a, mm-hmm. such a big difference. And um, and yes, and then at the end of that year, I had a very clunky manuscript, but enough to pitch it out and get a publisher. And then just you know worked so uh, hard on it, and I'm incredibly proud of it. Not only um, for for myself, but I'm also very proud that I was able to write a book that I could you know look at Stella and Ruby in the eye and read out every single word to them without censoring it which wasn't an easy feat with a fitness book where mm. the temptation is to sell a book which is all about this is how you fix your body and mm.
0: uh, you know
1: mm. this is um, yeah all about body transformation and I didn't want that message for them I wanted yeah. them and anyone reading it to feel really good about themselves and just to give have some tools um, to, you know, to feel even even better about yeah. themselves. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the book that I wanted and it makes me really proud that that's the book that I um, have delivered. Isn't that
0: often how it happens? You know, the book that you want yourself is the one that you write. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it is Fantastic. It's also just really, you know, beautiful book. It's lovely to have. Um, I love books. <laughs> Got a lot of books. Um, and it's just so easy to read and easy to follow and easy to understand. Um, and um, so people can get it on Booktopia and Book Depository. They can get it from your website. It's in Big W. Like it's a really accessible book Um, but just one last thing before we wind up I also know you have this thing (laughs) called wine bottle (laughs) workouts, and I think (laughs) I think there's
1: there's a few moms that would love to know a bit more about that (laughs) that came about because I really wanted to you know bust through those excuses that you needed to have your you know the top exercise gear at home you had to go out and spend all this money on exercise equipment if you wanted to do a home workout and also the fact that i really think that exercise you know doesn't have to be this boring old thing that you Mm kind of hate Mm -hmm. it can actually be something that does put a smile on your face Mm -hmm. and why not find ways to move that that happens rather than finding you know doing something that you hate Mm -hmm. and um yeah and i also just was like I have always got wine bottles in my house, you know, uh, which is which is great. The only time I didn't have one once, I just had my Soda Stream bottles, and I used those. And, and then you know, Soda Stream they ended up sending me a Soda Stream thing, so that was good. Cool. Um, but yeah, so with whatever you have at home, um, that idea of you pick up your wine bottles and you do a few moves with them for one or two minutes, and you feel it incredibly fast. Yeah. And my mum does them. She has her sitting out in her kitchen bed. She does them every night. She comes back from her evening walk just to keep up that strength mm. in our arms which we and in our, in our bones, which we lose as, as women. Um, and, yeah, so it's just kind of that little thing that you can do to put a smile on your face. And just to keep that feeling of of strength uh, in your upper body, and uh, yeah, and they just um, they make everyone laugh. So that's what yeah. I that's what I love about them as well.
0: So where can mum fi- mums find these?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I um, I post my little bite size little workouts um, uh, all the time on Instagram and Facebook, and that's mm-hmm. at Two Minute Moves T W O yeah. Minute yeah. Moves. And then everything you need to know as well is at two minute moves dot com. And uh, yeah, so I just try and use my social media just to give those little um, moments of, of inspiration and motivation when you need it, and keep it really real as well. You know, mm. rather than saying you know you know, get down on the floor and do a hundred crunches. You know, your kids are just going to jump all over you when you mm. do that if you've got little kids. So what's the way that you can really? work these moves into your real everyday life and that's what i try and achieve there yeah yeah
0: well that is so fantastic i'm sure there will be a lot of mums if they haven't heard of you going to your website and your social media pages and checking it out and um as i said like i'm just it's just so refreshing to Really hear from a your story and, and what a journey you've been on and to just totally smash through that perception that of all or nothing um, and yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway because you know you work with so many people in general but also mums as do I and and we know that this is one of the things we come up against all the time is there's just no point I don't have enough time to do it properly. Um, so yeah, I just, I just thank you so much for putting it out there, for sharing your story, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your wine bottle workouts (laughs) and all the other little, um, you know, ways that people can move their body in two minutes. Um, and just be able to say to themselves, I've achieved something and I've taken some time for myself. So thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate your time. I've just... It's been great listening to you. You're a wealth of fun and wisdom.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. I've loved hearing your wisdom as well. I could just sit here on the other line with you and like, tell me more, tell I, me more. <laughs> we,
0: we could have a long chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, everyone who's been listening, I really hope you've hung in there. It's been a long podcast, but it has been such a, a, a huge amount of information. Um, you might even want to kind of listen to Bits of it again because Lizzie's just got so much to offer. Um, As I said, you can check her out on twoMinuteMoves.com on all the social media platforms. She's there. (laughs) Tune into things like the Today Show as well. I've seen you on there and that morning show. um, Other channels, lucky, just everywhere, which is so so good because it's such an important message. And so I hope you've enjoyed listening to Lizzie. I'm sure you have, and check her out and stay tuned. Um, or tune in for our next podcast, which will be coming out in a week's time after this one. Thanks, everyone. Bye.